0: Okay, I've titled this sermon, Good Friday, Good God. Good Friday, Good God. We really do serve a good God. And in the moment of trial or tribulation or things that just not going the way that we thought it might, we need to be reminded that we actually serve a really good God. And in fact, over this Easter weekend, it's my heart that you would discover afresh just how good God is for you. This language, uh, good God or God is good, uh, is one that actually gets repeated in a different way through Jesus. And so I want to read to you a scripture that's found in John chapter 10. And in fact, if we had time, we could read right through that whole chapter. It's a really good chapter. And I'm going to read to you firstly from verse 14. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. I am the good shepherd. Jesus uses this language to describe himself. And then earlier he says in verse 11 to 13, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then conversely he says, The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Here are two different images, Jesus, the good shepherd, and then a hired hand who does not own the sheep, uh, nor does he have the same care or the same interest in the well-being of the sheep. And in fact, over the history of Israel, when Jesus spoke these words, they would have uh, thought back to all the different kinds of shepherds that they may have had over Israel, priests, Kings, prophets, and in each of those different aspects, there were some who displayed elements of a good God and then, and a care for the sheep. And then there were those who had self-interest, who scattered when the, the flock was scattered, who uh, found themselves looking after themselves more than actually looking after the sheep. We find in Ezekiel, who was a prophet many years before Jesus, He says of the different leaders of Israel, in summary, he says, prophesy, in fact, God's speaking to Ezekiel in this, uh, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? God's heart was for a shepherd who would take care of the flock, who would hold the same heart that he has. And there was uh, one in particular who held a a very strong shepherding heart for his people, and yet he was a a man who was fallen in some aspects of his life. Uh, His name was David, and he was the second king of Israel. And David himself had actually been a shepherd for his own father before he was ever anointed to be a king. He understood what it meant uh, to be out in the open, in the elements, uh, looking after his father's sheep and to care for his father's interests in his sheep. In fact, he uh, so cared for the sheep of his father, the integrity that he showed was that when a bear or a lion came in the strength of his faith in God, he would chase down that lion, he would chase down that bear and would um, uh, kill that bear or kill that lion uh, in order to, uh, to maintain the sheep's safety. And so here David, uh, one who understands what it means to be a shepherd and then later on shepherds the people of, of God in a different way in the strength of God. Even he says, the one who is probably the closest uh, likeness to somebody who is a good shepherd, even he says that um, the shepherd that he knows is his Lord and Savior, uh, his, the Lord is God. So Psalm 23 verse uh, 1, in fact, uh, this whole psalm speaks of a shepherd being God. Uh, David's shepherd is God. It's a very familiar psalm. You've probably heard this psalm before. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Just take that in for a moment. I lack nothing. Verse 6, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Notice uh, David summarizes God as his shepherd, as a shepherd who is good. He says, surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. In other words, this good shepherd does not leave the flock. This good shepherd that David had um, had been uh, in relationship with, in covenant with, had not let him down. Not one time had he found that God had let him down. This was his testimony. If you read of David's story, you would see again and again, he could testify, God is good. Even in the, the darkest valleys, God is good. Now, the reason why I wanted to read that particular scripture to you is because... When Jesus speaks of himself being the good shepherd, you need to understand that he's using a very similar language to what David writes about. That uh, not only is God good, but Jesus places the language upon himself that he is the good shepherd. It's uh, a very pointed description of himself. In fact, when he goes on to talk about who he is, Uh, He uses language like uh, he will lead them in and out to find green pasture. He knows every sheep by their name. And he calls them and they understand his voice. If a stranger calls, they uh, do not listen to him because they don't recognize his voice. He speaks of himself as the good shepherd. And in fact, when he is speaking in John chapter 10, he's speaking to the Pharisees. And he's saying uh, just after they had seen somebody... Uh, who was seen somebody who was healed, uh, who was blind, and now could see. Uh, Jesus said, the reason why you can't understand that that these works are from God is because you yourself are blind. And he goes on to say to the Pharisees, In fact, those who know God know that my voice is the very words that come from the Father. In fact, if you were to read through John chapter 10, everything that he says of himself is very much what you would expect God to say of himself. John, who writes this book, goes to great lengths to be able to uh, help us to understand that Jesus is not just a good person. He is the good God. Jesus is the Son of God. Now, this whole picture—the whole reason why I wanted to bring this picture to you—is because uh, Jesus goes on to say that not only is he the good, not only is he the good uh, shepherd, but also in verse 14 and 15, he says, "I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me." Now, verse 15: "Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep." It goes on to say in verse 17, The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. Jesus is saying that not only is he the good shepherd that we find in Psalm 23, but also He is so good that he's willing to lay down his life for the sheep. In fact, he speaks of his Father God in the picture of this in saying that he takes care of the sheep according to the authority already given him by God the Father. That's an important uh, thing to understand. Now, I grew up in parks uh, out west, and in parks it's sheep and wheat. That's the main uh, industry and Uh, produce that uh, is uh, produced out in in parks. And a a farmer who has sheep, they don't look at their sheep as pets, as we might do in the city, but uh, they look at their sheep as livestock. And their care for the sheep is not so much for the sake of the sheep, but for the sake of the one who is invested in the sheep. Jesus here, he is invested in the Father's heart for you. The whole reason he cares for you as a good shepherd is because he is completely invested as the father is invested. He takes care of you in the same way because he is the son of God. Now, this is an amazing picture that Jesus unravels. And it's before he even goes to the cross. It's it's before all this happens. He's really pointing forward to what's about to happen. And on this day, on Good Friday, uh, we remember that Jesus did... Uh, actually give his life for us he went to the cross willingly he willingly gave it up he had many opportunities as we read later on uh, to exit out certain doors if he wished he could have given a defense uh, to what he was experiencing and yet he didn't Uh, but he uh, willingly went to the cross and it actually reminds me of a story of that's found in the old testament and of the the very founder of the Israelites' faith, a story of Abraham. Abraham was a man who uh, placed his faith in a promise that God gave him, that if he would follow God, if he would give himself completely to him and uh, and believe in his promises for him and follow him to a new land, that God promised to give him a new land that would be his and that uh, he would also have a nation that came from his name. And here, Abraham, he waited a long time for this promise to come through. In fact, it was 25 years, which is a a massive length of time to wait for a promise of God to come through. And by the time they had their son, which was impossible made possible, he was 100 years old and his wife was 90 years old. The whole reason why they named their son Isaac is because, uh, in fact, Isaac means laughter. It means to laugh at things Uh, as though it was impossible, as it were. That laughter came out of the joy of God doing something that was impossible. And so uh, Abraham, at the age of a 100, has, uh, for the very first time, the promised child, Isaac. As Isaac grows up, and he's only young in age, uh, by the time we get to the story that I want to park on uh, at the back end of this uh, particular uh, sermon. And so his son Isaac and he... uh, Abraham gets a word from God come and worship me on the mountain and this mountain was three days uh, walk from where they lived and so he took Isaac and in fact at that time God says to Abraham something that is almost if it was not written I wouldn't believe it he says to him take your son Isaac and sacrifice him to me now there are some scriptures that are easy for us to understand And then there are some scriptures that are really difficult for us to understand. And this is one of those scriptures. And I've got a lot of questions around this story. And I I just remember Bill Johnson saying, if we're just to look at the easy scriptures, then we may miss something of God's nature. And so I want you to pick up on what God does in this story. Some of the nature that's revealed in this story. And uh, to go with me into a very difficult story to understand, but to, to seek God out as to what he has to say, in this particular story of what Abraham did in faith so Abraham he takes his son Isaac they go for a, for a three-day hike and just imagine this journey uh, as being part of their journey that they're going up to a mountain on their journey as they, they see the mountain in front of them Isaac looks up to his father Abraham and says we have the fire we have the wood but dad where is the lamb where's the sacrifice and Then we find that Abraham answers in this way in Genesis chapter 22, verse 8. He says, Abraham answered, God himself will provide, and uh, the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Now, we get an insight as to what Abraham was thinking along the way, uh, knowing the cost of what God was calling him to do. This was the promise, uh, the evidence of God's promise the inheritance of god's promise here in his son isaac and in hebrews chapter 11 verse 9 uh, the writer of hebrews says that abraham reasoned that god could even raise the dead that when he stepped out in faith with his son isaac he reasoned that god could even raise the dead that's an important uh, note to make because jesus enters his reign his uh, passion his his way to the cross with a very similar explanation saying, not only will he be buried, but he'll be raised back to life. So Abraham says to his son, God will provide. And when they get to the place where uh, Abraham was uh, about to sacrifice his son, he builds the altar, he stacks it up with timber, he binds up his son, and uh, just as he's about to go through with what God told him to do, uh, an angel of the Lord calls out to him. And we find in verse 11, Genesis, Genesis, chapter twenty-two, verse eleven. Uh, the angel says, "Abraham, Abraham, here I am." He replied, "Do not lay a hand on the boy." He said, "Do uh, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son." Now listen to what happens next. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. He had already said to his son, God will provide. He was ready to go through with what God had called him to do, his only son. And then God in the midst of it, he stepped in between him and his son. And he became the provision that day for uh, their altar, for their sacrifice, their burnt offering. Do you know, uh, I I try to think of what it might have looked like having had the ram now provided and uh, that that worship session that they would have had right there and then. No one else was there to see it. Just him, uh, Abraham and his son, Isaac. It wasn't on Spotify. It wasn't recorded. There's no smoke machines. There was no lights. This was one of the worship sessions that was just between Abraham and God. Isaac and God. I I imagine for Isaac, this is probably the best worship session he's ever been to, um, knowing the other side of things, not the beforehand. I can't imagine going to a worship service the way he went into one. But uh, I imagine for him, this is something that he would never forget. God is his provider. God stood in the way. He became the ram in his place. He didn't have to die that day. God provided. Now, I want to suggest something to you here. Firstly, uh, this was a private moment between Abraham and God. This was a private moment between Isaac and God. I want to encourage you today. Find a private moment between you and Father God, recognizing that Jesus is the one who stood between you and the Father God. He stood between you and the sacrifice that needed to be made. He is the sacrifice in verse 14, uh, goes on to say, So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Uh, if you were to read that verse all on its own, you, know, you might be tempted to think that God is my provider around financial needs or around health needs. Both those are true, but it's not what Abraham is talking about here. He's talking about a God who provided in the deepest need that you and I have. He provided for uh, our sins being completely uh, relinquished before God. He provided for every regret, every shame, every guilt that we hold, that we could actually lay that up on his son, Jesus. And then the angel of the Lord, he goes on to to say to Abraham after this worship session, he uh, restates... the covenant that God had made with Abraham. And then he goes on to say that through, in fact, I'll read this part to you uh, in verse 18, that through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. So in other words, this whole incident, this whole sacrifice, this whole place of worship, God was making a statement that from this place, there would come a seed, at the line of Abraham, one that would be the Messiah, who would actually fulfill this whole picture of God being the provider, that he would provide for us, and that through him, all nations would be blessed, through his offspring. This isn't just something that was provided to Abraham as a picture, um, but uh, we find in Isaiah 53, that the same picture emerges through one of the, God's prophets, Isaiah. Uh, God says through Isaiah, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. Listen to this. Verse 6 goes on to describe us now in the picture of this Savior, this Messiah, this one who would come on our behalf. Verse 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us, or each of us, have turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him, that is Jesus, that is his Messiah, the iniquity or the sin or the transgression of us all. He's laid up on him. I don't think that Abraham really understood this part of what happened for him. He was asked to sacrifice his son. And even though God stood in the gap, that was part of his provision. But the second thing that that happens out of this story is that the shadow of this, this was a foreshadowing of what God would do with his own son, that he would actually allow his own son to be bound, to be placed on an altar, uh, to be placed on the cross, to be pierced, uh, that, that by him, through his blood, we would have a new covenant that would bless all nations, all those who would believe in Jesus' name, that they would be saved. Now, back to what Jesus said. He said, I am the good shepherd. This is Good Friday. He's the good shepherd who gives up his life for his sheep. His sheep are simply those who know his voice. They know his voice because they recognize that Jesus is the Son of God. They recognize that the Father God is in Jesus and Jesus is in in his Father. That when they see Jesus and hear him, that they're hearing from Father God. Do you know his voice? Have you placed your faith and your belief in him? Peter looking backwards he says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 to 25, He himself carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we would be dead to sin and live for righteousness. Our instant healing flowed from his wounding. You were like sheep that continually wandered away, but now you have returned to the true shepherd of your lives, the kind guardian who lovingly watches over your souls. Jesus is the good shepherd. He has given himself for you so what, what does this mean for anybody who's watching right now? Well this means firstly, for those who have placed their belief in Jesus, Good Friday is a celebration of what Jesus has done for us. We take time out to remember what he's done because he is our salvation. He is our provision and there is worship that happens as a result of knowing that Jesus is our provision. And I want to encourage you. Find a space today to pray, to listen to some worship music or uh, to go for a, you know, a walk where you're doing some exercise, but contemplating this, that Jesus is God's provision for you, that you've been brought in as one of God's sheep, one of his sons or daughters through Jesus. Well, what does it mean for somebody who hasn't placed Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Well, I want to encourage you today that you would actually seek Him out and ask the question Is the voice that comes from Jesus the voice of the Heavenly Father? Do I see the resemblance of Psalm 23 in Jesus? Do I see the resemblance of a good father in the Good Shepherd? And if so, why am I waiting to make a decision to follow Him? Why am I trying to do things as though I am the one who is actually good or I'm the one who is a pretty good person that God would still accept? Why would God go to all the effort, the great cost of sending His Son, if sin could be dealt with through just simply following the law or being a fairly good person? He knew it was impossible for us. So I want to encourage you this morning, maybe this morning, and I, I want uh, to, to call you to make a response that you would say, Jesus, I'm placing you as my Lord and Saviour. This Easter, I'm making this personal. It's no longer something that is foreign to me. I'm taking hold of what God has done for me through His Son, Jesus. So if you've made that decision this morning, if you want that to be your prayer, then I want to encourage you just to make this prayer yours. Let's pray. Father God, this morning I choose to make Jesus my good shepherd. I want to follow Him with all my life. I want to listen to His voice and understand Him I want to be led to green pastures. I want to be led to what he has for me. And I want to follow him in becoming one that represents him, one that loves you. And so, Father God, would you forgive me for trying to be something that I'm unable to achieve, trying to be the good person that Jesus stood in my place for? And so I ask for your forgiveness for every regret, every shame, every uh, known or unknown sin. And I declare that you, Lord Jesus, are my Savior. Father God, would you welcome me in as one of your sons, one of your daughters, to be uh, your own, to, to be acknowledged as one of your sheep, one of your own, in Jesus' name. Amen.